morning, everyone. Welcome to Thursday in the Doghouse, an on-air educational radio show all about our pet dogs. I'm your host, Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer. Each week, our topics for discussion cover everything ranging from dog behavior, specific breeds, canine diet and nutrition, many of our dogs' health issues, as well as shelter and rescue dogs. Everyone who does an interview on my program is an expert, whether the individual is a trainer, a veterinarian, an author, show judge, and all others who specialize in the field of companion dogs. Please make a note that if you've missed some of these programs and you want to learn more about dogs, all you have to do is go to my website, www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Click on the page marked Rainey's Radio Show, and you'll see a long list of podcasts of all the shows I've done in the past year. Each show is approximately 30 minutes long, so you can sit back, relax, listen, and learn. My guest today is a professional trainer and behavior consultant from Mystic, Connecticut, Michael Shikashio. Michael owns his own training business, Complete Canines LLC, and he volunteers and provides foster care for American Lab Rescue, an all-breed rescue concentrated on the East Coast. His specialty is working with problem behaviors, and he's helped countless dogs become more obedient and well-mannered so that they're suitable for the home environment. Michael is a full member of the Association of Pet Dog Trainers and a supporting member of the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. I'm looking forward to talking with Michael this morning about labs specifically. But first, please let me tell you what services I offer in the South Jersey area as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant. Is your dog always in the doghouse? Does he greet people by jumping all over them? Does she chew your shoes and steal your undies? Guess what? Your dog needs training. Hi, I'm Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, and I train dogs using only positive-based methods. My services include private training right in your own home. I also offer group puppy kindergarten classes starting at eight weeks of age and group classes for adolescent and adult dogs beginning at five months of age. All group classes are held at Dog Days Camp for Canines, 23 West Main Street, Marlton, New Jersey. For more information, please contact me at 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Again, that's 609 609- 280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com Hi Michael, it's nice to finally be talking to you personally rather than typing out messages over the internet. <laughs> Hi Rini, it's great to be here, thank you. You're welcome. Michael, how did you wind up getting involved with American Lab Rescue? Well, my wife and I always loved labs. Even though our first lab was easily worse than Molly for Molly and me. I still remember chasing her down the street in my socks exactly. away from me after dashing out the front door. Wow. This was in the middle of winter, too. <laughs> Quite interesting. She was actually the reason I got into dog training in the first place. 
Mm-hmm. But when we moved to a larger home a few years ago with a fenced-in backyard and our yellow lab, it would be a great time to start fostering because it would allow us enough space to mm-hmm. accommodate their needs. Okay. So a friend of ours recommended American Lab Rescue as a reputable rescue in need of foster homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we contacted them and applied to be a foster home. Since we started fostering for them, we've had about 50, 50 or so dogs come to our home. Wow. And how much time? We've been doing it for around three years. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of dogs. Yes, yeah. And, you know, each one of them was unique and special, and my wife still tears up a bit when we send them off to their forever home. Um, sure. I don't know how people do that. I have tremendous respect for foster people who are able to just be temporary stops along the way. I know we, I mean, I get attached to many dogs that I work with. Yeah. So, ha- so your dog's, your dog's name is Molly, your, your yellow no, lab? Actually, it's Crystal. Crystal. Oh, uh, but she looks just like Molly. Oh, I see, I see. So, was she a, a major problem, uh, or did she just didn't have any training and then you started working with her? Correct, on both accounts. She okay. was, she was a lot of, she was a handful. She's a field style lab. And, right. Um, we had a lot of issues in the beginning. We really didn't know know what to do in the beginning so mm-hmm. I um, hired a trainer myself and I got into dog training from, from then on. Did you get any help with her or you figured it out yourself? Um, I did hire a trainer and I worked with a trainer with her for a few weeks mm-hmm. and then we you know I just kept going on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, now she, today she's a wonderful dog and mm-hmm. I used her when I was teaching group classes I used her for a demo dog and I thought oh, she's that's great. That's great. I uh, I also had a very special dog with very special issues, and that dog was responsible for getting me into training also. And I, it's amazing how dogs can really change your life. Definitely. So American Lab Rescue, what does that mean? Do they just uh, rescue Labrador Retrievers? Do they rescue other breeds of dogs? And, and also, other than American Labs, do they rescue English Labs too? They're actually an all-breed rescue uh, that concentrates primarily on the lab breed. Lab mixes of English labs and American labs are, are all uh, something we deal with. Mm-hmm. I would say about 90% of the dogs are labs, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a few others that we accept. Okay. I think in, in our conversation earlier, you mentioned that you even had some border collies that come into your rescue. Yes. yes. Do, you get, do you see a lot of lab border collie mixes? On occasion. Um, I did have one that was, uh, I believe, a lab border collie mix. He was a handful. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of energy there. Yes, definitely. I'm sure you've also seen lab pit bull mixes come through. Yes. And you want to know something? I think that when when somebody calls me to tell me that they have a lab pit bull mix, I'm always anxious to go and work with those dogs because I find them to be a really good mix. Do you agree? I agree. Yeah, it does seem to work out quite well. I mean, they may have issues, they may not, but they seem to really go through training very, very well. Yes, definitely. Other than appearance, is there any difference, in your opinion, between American Labs versus the English Lab in their temperament? Uh, well, we need, uh, these can be confusing terms. Um, you know, the, the term is American and English uh, typically describe the difference between a, uh, a showbread dog and a fieldbred dog. You know, the English or showbread labs are typically heavier, you know, thicker, and usually get the blockhead description. Right. American labs are the taller, lighter framed, and more snipey in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I sometimes hear people describe the English lab as a, uh, as a runway model and have, 
and the Americans are field lab as an athlete. That's something I'm not aware of. Do they use English labs specifically for, for showing versus using American labs for hunting? Typically, um, historically, the English labs are more of the showbread or, or bench dogs, they call it, for confirmation. I see. I wasn't aware that they would have that they would actually be specialized like that. So, in other words, most English labs are not bred for hunting. Correct, correct. I mean, they certainly can do the job diligently, uh, but the field lab is more. You see that more in the southern states as the dog of choice for hunting, bird hunting. Okay. What is the difference that you see, if any, between field bred labs and labs bred for show? Do you see oh, a lot of okay. difference in their behavior? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, you know, English labs typically have uh, you know less energetic demeanor than American labs mm-hmm. do. Well, you know, in my experience, it's kind of like you just adopted this, adopted a cross between them. You get Energizer Bunny and Jim Carrey when you get American lab, <laughs> and the uh, English labs a little more mellow. Yeah, I see that in my in my business also. Um, so, how does your rescue organization acquire the dogs uh, that you you get? And do you, so let me get your answer on that, and then I'll go to my next question. Um, well, most of the dogs placed into the adoption program are from the high-killed shelters in the South. Um, due to the overpopulation of dogs in the South mm-hmm. and the limited shelter resources, the dogs are routinely euthanized mm-hmm. almost as soon as they are taken in. Mm-hmm. So American Lab um, selects these dogs from shelters and transports them to the North to mm-hmm. adoptive or foster homes here. Okay. And I, I will tell you, too, in this area in New Jersey, we are having a huge influx of rescue dogs from various states down south. And I'll ask you the same question I ask the shelters in my area. If you bring so many dogs up from down south, what happens with the dogs that are local to your area? Are you able to have room for them? Uh, we do take in dogs from the local area, so we have some uh, volunteers that select dogs from the shelters in the area. Um, usually we go and look at the lab in the New England area as well as the south. You know, it depends on how much uh, you know, space, how much resources in terms of the number of dogs we can handle. So, mm-hmm. and, and then, of course, some of the dogs are surrendered directly to the program from owners. You know, they'll call us and ask if, they can, if we can take their dog. Okay. All right. And so can you tell us what are some of the most common reasons or owner complaints locally that you would get from people that would cause these dogs to be surrendered? Well, um, besides, the, you know, the typical reasons uh, for surrender, such as you know, time constraints, moving, divorce, health issues, financial reasons, those are some of the, most, the more typical reasons. But I can probably touch upon some of the behavioral reasons. Yes, please do. You know, I think labs may suffer what I call the, the impulse puppy purchase syndrome. You know, people can easily become attached to the cute and adorable characteristics of a lab puppy. Mm-hmm. So they procure that puppy without researching you know, what the needs of a lab are. Mm-hmm. You know, some owners may not be able to handle the needs of a lab as they grow into their teenage years. Right. So without proper training and physical and mental stimulation, labs can become destructive as, as they're really proficient chewers. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's, that's one of the more common behavioral 
issues like clause in order to surrender, mm-hmm. sort of give up on out of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, another issue can be um, the separation distress or anxiety, uh, which is prevalent in some of the highly energetic breeds. Mm-hmm. You know, again, a lack of physical and mental stimulation right. can significantly compound this. Mm-hmm. And some dogs can simply be too much dog for an owner because they are constantly active. So, you know, they are the types that are constantly jumping up, counter-surfing, uh, looking for things to chew on, and always on the go. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I personally like these types because they're so easy to train. Right. I mean, motiv- motivated, uh, you know, but without proper training and management, these kind of labs can be overwhelming for an inexperienced owner. Right. Right. And you know, years ago, when I, when I was, well, I would say about at least 35 years, 37 years ago, I remember I had got my first dog, believe it or not, 37 years ago, and we had a black lab in our neighborhood. Her name was Midnight, and she at that time represented typical lab of the day. When you talk about a black lab and everybody's eyes just glazed over, they were the best dogs in the world. They were smart. They were loving. They were great companion dogs. And she was an American lab. I look back to that time and I, as a trainer, I don't see too many American labs today that are bred with that type of great temperament. Some A dog that just becomes a great companion pet. They go through their puppyhood, they go through their adolescent, they become wonderful dogs. I just think that it seems that when the American Lab is bred today, the energy level just seems to be skyrocketing, and I would wonder whether or not breeders are intentionally breeding these dogs to be so hyper-energetic. Do you have any ideas about that? Well, I think it's it's probably a combination of, of factors, uh, you know, now with a lot of puppies coming out of mills, um, so you have some behavioral issues that can be caused just from that. And, you know, the breeders, some of the breeders in the South do breed for hunting temperaments, so uh, you will see, you know, high drive or high hunting mm-hmm. uh, traits in those dogs that come from the South. Um, you know, and it's a shame, too, going back to the black lab, you know, they suffer from not being adopted quite as often as, say, the chocolate lab with the yellow lab, mm-hmm. uh, because just because of the color, so we see a lot more yellow labs and chocolate labs adopted out. Uh, mm, really? That color. So it's a shame. In, in, in black labs, I do come across uh, some very wonderful temperaments, just like you were talking about. Right. And that's interesting uh, that you say that, because when I go to train a dog, I find that chocolate labs have more energy than blacks or yellow labs. Now, that just could be my experience. I don't know if you agree or not. I see that as well, um, but I do. I have to say, I do get plenty of yellow and black uh, labs that are that are just as just as energetic. energetic. Yeah, isn't that something? So, if someone was to be thinking about purchasing or adopting a lab, what is the importance of exercise here, and what are some good ways that you would recommend that dogs be physically and mentally exercised? Labs definitely need their physical and mental exercise. As far as activities to do, you know, they're, they're so good at so many things. Um, you know, you can work outside, even in the cold winter time with them. They're very resilient to the cold weather. Mm-hmm. They excel at activities such as you know, agility, hunting, search and rescue, odor detect- detection. And those things you can even do on, you know, not on a professional level. You can mm-hmm. do, get creative and do those things in the home. 
Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they're great swimmers as well. So, you know, I, my pool gets a lot of use from it. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, definitely, there's, there's so many things you can do mm-hmm. with lab. They are used for a variety of things. They are. I know that they're used for search and rescue, and you know they they make great agility dogs. They're not just uh, used for hunting. And but I do think it's very important if anybody just wants to go out and get a lab because they think the labs are great dogs, which they can be. They're not going to lay at your feet all day long. Right. Yeah. When you meet labs that need training and behavior modification, because I did read on your website that you do a lot of rehabilitation for these dogs, what is your training method of choice in rehabilitating them, and what problems do you normally have to really work on them with? Well, are you talking about dogs I personally? Yes. Um, well, the, the rescue asked me, you know, to, to evaluate dogs that are returned to the rescue uh, for aggression issues. Okay. Um, now, this is different from the Forsters I normally take. And some of the Forsters will come in and have typical lab uh, behavioral issues. Okay. But the, the, sometimes I'll, I'll have a dog return to the rescue in American Lab will ask me to evaluate that dog mm-hmm. uh, to see if there's actually an aggression issue going on. Uh-huh. If so, how severe the problem is. So if there is a problem, I'll, I'll work with the dog in a behavioral facet until they're acceptable for adoption again. Okay. And what sort of aggression do you see with these dogs? What what type of, of aggressive, aggressive behaviors do you have you worked with? Well, I have to say, Randy, many times the dog is not actually displaying true aggressive behaviors. Um, you know, for instance, the dog may be very mouthy, barking to gain attention. Okay. Unfortunately, this is construed as aggressive behavior sometimes. Right. Uh, when, in fact, it's just attention-seeking behavior. Okay. Um, you know, another example is the puppy growl that's accompanied by a typical play pal posture. Mm-hmm. And it's another gesture by the dog just trying to get the owner to play, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes can be misinterpreted as an aggressive behavior. Mm-hmm. But there are occasions when I do have, you know, some minor resource guarding or a um, dog nips somebody in the home, mm-hmm. uh, severe aggression on occasion. Um, so I'll, I'll work with the dog, and I'm very understanding neighbors that come over and <laughs> play decoys and come over and help me out. And, you know, and depending on what the issue is, I'll work with them. Okay. Like, see enough improvement where I feel that the dog can uh, be adoptable again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, the, it varies quite often in terms of how severe the issue is. What type of uh, training do you use? Uh, do you use uh, uh, do you use any metal collars in your training? Do you use clicker training? What type of training do you use? I use primarily positive reinforcement training. Um, and I know you know you follow the same uh, type of uh, philosophy I, as I do as far as dog friendly training using the, the least invasive methods. Right. Both me. So um, you know I do use a lot of clicker training. Good. I use lots, you know, food, praise, toys, anything that motivates the dog mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, training. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, again, the behavioral aspect of things for your common conditioning. Okay. Classical conditioning to change behavior. So um, I concentrate on that. Really, uh, I mean, when a dog is switching from a home, coming to another home, they're already stressed out as it is. Absolutely. I, I do my best to completely avoid anything mm-hmm. adverse or anything the dog is not going to like to add to the stress level. Yeah. A lot of the times, the, the, 
you know, aggression or issues can be exacerbated by stress. So mm-hmm. um, it's best to just uh, really make them comfortable and calm in the home. No, so totally non-confrontational training, is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the, the unfortunate thing is with labs, um, sometimes you hear about labs can jump in the icy water and run through the cricket bushes, um, so they're used to it and they're hardy. And, you know, I have some clients that will have used some very aversive methods because labs can be a little bit more resilient to mm-hmm. punishment-based mm-hmm. uh, methods. So um, on the flip side, what's wonderful about labs is they're so motivated by food that's why they, they eat everything. So <laughs> they're all motivated by food, by toys, uh, by play. They love to play. So mm-hmm. it's so much easier to train with using those tools as opposed to anything punishment-based. Because, mm-hmm. you know, lab, you have to escalate mm-hmm. the punishment, which is unfortunate. Michael, what, how do you deal with mouthy behavior? Let's say you have an 8- or 10-month-old, not a puppy, but an 8- or 10-month-old adolescent who is very mouthy, putting their teeth around somebody's skin for attention. How do you deal with that? I deal with it first. I try just simply ignoring the behavior uh, because it is an attention-seeking behavior. So if, if they're mouthing with me, I just fold my arms and I'll just stand there and wait for them to offer me a behavior other than that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I tell my clients to us. So instead of asking what you don't want the dog to do, ask what you want the dog to do and reinforce that instead. Mm-hmm. Constantly thinking about, you know, telling my dog, know this, know that. Um, look for a behavior that you want mm-hmm. and then reinforce that. So I'll just stand there and wait for the dog to stop mouthing. And once it does, that's when I pay attention to the dog. Um, and labs, they, they get it quick. They, they really do. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when they're first coming into the home. You have a, a dog that's very excitable, mm-hmm. jumping up and mouthing you. Mm-hmm. Just stand there and wait it out, even if it takes a few seconds, mm-hmm. and then reinforce once they're not doing the behavior you don't like. Do you think labs are a good choice for people who have very young children in the home? Most definitely. You know, I always say with children, first thing I always say is that you, know, you should never leave young children unattended with any dog. Right. You know, young children may be told not to pull an ear or a tail. Uh, you know, however, I, I have a four-year-old boy that has literally been around hundreds of dogs, and even he may still be a little too clingy with the dog. Mm-hmm. He was left unsupervised. Um, you know, so labs are extremely good with children, provided both the dog and the child learn how to interact appropriately. Right. So people have to realize they not only have to uh, train their dog, they have to train their children at the same time. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's that's kind of something that is foreign thought for people. They they just, you know, um, they just think that it's important for the dog to accept childish behavior like pulling tails and ears, and then they get angry with the dog if a dog can't accept that, and that's really wrong. Children think that they're, uh, you know, great keep the lab physically and mentally stimulated as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So they can play controlled games with fetch or hide and seek or even swim with their dog. Mm-hmm. It's also an excellent way to build a positive bond between the dog and the child uh, and as well teach appropriate ways to interact. Absolutely. I always encourage those type of activities. Mm-hmm. Good. And so will American Lab Rescue accept a dog that has a previous bite history? Um, it, it really depends on each individual situation. We look at the severity of each case and the factors surrounding each incident. Now, for instance, we could probably place a dog uh, with a history of aggression towards cats in a home with no cats. Right. That and, would solve that problem as long as there's no cats in the environment. Right. 
And, and on the other hand, you know, we would not accept a dog with a bite history uh, where severe injuries were inflicted. Right. Absolutely not. Cool and irresponsible to place a dog with such a history. Right. Right. All right. So, so just explain a little bit. What process does your organization go through when you accept a dog into rescue? If they want to, if you're still talking about if somebody wants to surrender a dog. To yes. All right. If somebody wants to surrender a dog to American Lab, we have them fill out an owner surrender form. Uh, that details the behavioral and health history of the dog mm-hmm. uh, and the reason for surrender. Right. Um, and the form also gives the American Lab custody of the dog so that a uh, new home can be found. Okay. So our best to accommodate as many dogs as our resources can support. So try not to turn anyone away. Right. How long does a dog normally stay in your home? What's what's the smallest, the shortest amount of time and the longest amount of time it's taken for a dog to be adopted? Um, I've had a dog as short as uh, seven hours. Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, we've had a dog as long as seven months. Is that right? Okay. Uh, it really varies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on the flip side, what process would American Lab uh, rescue go through when somebody wants to adopt one of your dogs? Somebody wants to adopt one of the dogs, we have them, uh, you know, they go onto the website and the, all the dogs that are available are, are available through the portal, um, which they accept the pet finder. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can fill out an application on the website. Right. Uh, contacted by a uh, consultant, adoption consultant. Mm-hmm. They look at compatibility and suitability uh, with a few different dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do a home visit to ensure that the home is safe and suitable for the dog, and a, uh, a phone call to the veterinarian is made to make sure that, you know, any past steps are taken care of properly. Right. Once these steps are completed, uh, the adoption contract and adoption fee. Um, so it's a pretty straightforward process, mm-hmm. uh, you know, standard for rescue. Mm-hmm. Would you adopt a dog out to a home that does not have a fence? On occasion, yes, and again, it depends on the situation. We look at the dog and also the, the home in terms of uh, if we feel that that home is responsible enough to bring the dog out on leash. Okay. Careful about signing um, right. the dog out. Uh-huh. Do you require, do you have any requirements that the dog go through any kind of training within a certain amount of time, or you just suggest it? We suggest it. Um, it's, it's not part of the contract, but we do strongly suggest it. And um, we, you know, I, I frequently recommend other trainers or, or training facilities uh, to help someone who adopt a dog or one of my forces. So, Michael, where can people uh, get more information about your company, Complete Canines LLC? Uh, they can go to my website, which is www.completecanines. Okay. All right. And um, and where can they get more information about American Lab Rescue? They can go to that website, which is www.americanlabrescue.com. You can see all the dogs there that are available for adoption through Pet Finder. Okay. Uh, they can also fill out an application to adopt uh, Forster or uh, volunteer for American Lab Rescue. Wonderful. You know, I meant to ask you, and I elected to do so, do you have enough foster homes for the dogs that come into your rescue? Unfortunately, Rini, there's, there's never enough foster homes for all the dogs. 
we're always looking for a foster home to give you know dogs a relief from the, the stressful environment of a shelter. Right. It makes a significant difference when a dog can spend some time in a foster home mm-hmm. with a loving family willing to provide mm-hmm. that home environment. I agree. I do agree. You know, I go to shelters periodically, and I have worked in shelters at, during my days as a trainer, and I just really would so much prefer a dog being in a normal home and adjusting to a normal home environment before he goes into another home because they aren't the same when they're at the shelter. They're not the way they are, and they can't be normal in that kind of environment. Absolutely. It's much different. Absolutely. Well, listen, I have to thank you very much for joining us in the doghouse today, and I can't thank you enough also for doing the good work that you do. And uh, if you ever want to come back to do an interview with the Jersey Dog Trainer on Thursday in the doghouse, I would certainly welcome the opportunity to discuss anything that you'd like to discuss here. Thanks so much, Rini, for the opportunity uh, to talk about the rescue. Absolutely. All right, Michael, you have a great day, and again, thanks so much for doing this for us. As well. Thank you very much. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Whoops. That's my producer, Pat Close, telling me to say thank you, listeners, for tuning into Thursday in the Doghouse today. Be sure to listen in again next week when my guest and I will be discussing the pros and cons of television trainers and whether people should be really watching them or not. Please tune in again and have a great week. See you later. Hey, hey.